Well, good morning. This is uh, the start of our new series, looking at how now um, should we live, uh, which is a phrase uh, we nicked from the Northumbria community. Yep. Uh, we've kind of—it's not quite the same words, but um, no, I think words. because I said the phrase from the Northumbria community, and then you wrote it down wrong. Oh, uh, is that what it is? I think that's it. We're trying to act like we have meant for it to be the phrase that it is, but actually, it's just a mistake. Oh well. So, um, how do we live in, in this kind of current landscape? I think it's also probably good for us just to acknowledge, uh, for us personally, it's been a difficult couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, for um, certainly for a number in the church, they've kind of journeyed with us uh, over the last um, few years. We've certainly shared a little bit about Claire's conditions. So you're kind of <coughs> you acknowledged it on Sunday that you've been struggling with depression your whole adult life. Yep. Um, with you know, several chunks of what I guess we'd call remission. Mm. Um, but typically, this is going back, you know, a very long time. Um, and we've journeyed with the leadership team and uh, with other close friends. Uh, we've never, since we've been in Shelford, we've not really made it public knowledge. Uh, I think we've had issues in the past just about how we do that safely, you know, because, you know, it's uh, a condition that means you're quite vulnerable. It's interesting because I think there shouldn't be stigma attached to it and I think the more people that reveal that they have mental health problems the less um, stigma will be attached to that however um, when you have mental health problems you are very fragile Mm. and if people are not particularly sensitive about that then that can be hard because you're dealing with whatever it is they want to say to you Mm. along with um, your own condition so for that, I think that reason, and also just when we came to the church, I was in a particularly well place, mm. um, and had been for an, a couple of years, and um, continued to be for yeah, for a few so. years until um, until about three or four years ago, mm. and it's been an uphill slog right throughout these last mm. few years. So just kind of to set the record, so you diagnosed with bipolar, you've had bipolar disorder, yeah, um, and really over the last. Um, I have a mild form of bipolar disorder. Yeah, and then kind of this last sort of 12 months or so, we've kind of acknowledged the difficulties of the last three or four years, really. So yeah. it's all kind of compounded um, within that. Uh, and we appreciate everyone's presence and support. Very much uh, so. And uh, we've got a journey ahead of us. But um, And we're hoping to grow through it. I think what... I th- so I'm not going to go on about it too much, but what's tends to happen is you've got re-involved in things, you've got re-enthusiastic about things, yep. then you've got into a, a kind of decline and stepped away. Uh, and we've found this all the time that you just kind of keep resetting yourself. It's quite, it's it's like torture because you, you just start to build up having a normal life again and then it hits. And so you go right back to a place of um, retreating from mm. everything. And then as you get better, you've got to try and build your way back up mm. to doing normal life again and then... If it hits again, you know, it just feels like you're kind of constantly um, pulling away from everybody. And that means people don't get to know you. They, you know, mm. I feel people don't get to know me often because of my mental health mm, yeah. and because I retreat, because I'm not able always to be there and to talk to people. And other times I come across as very lively and then I'll just step back and, you mm. know, people must think, well, you know, what's going on here? But, mm. um, you know, that's not that's not deliberate on my mm. part that is just unfortunately what my life is um in these years mm. so we um we're keeping going 
Um, yeah. People saw you on Sunday uh, and uh, you're able just to introduce uh, our little uh, topic looking at how now we should, how now should we live? Yeah. Uh, let's get my grammar right. Um, and there's a couple of things I think it'd be lovely just to focus on. Um, I mean, you introduced this theme of, uh, of boats and everyone's in the same storm, but a different boat. And that's kind of an interesting reflection. So where did that come from? Um, that was something I, I read a, um, an article about coming out of COVID and this there was a psychologist who said that you know we have to be very careful and mindful as we come out of this because although we've all been in the same storm you know across the whole world we're all in very different boats Mm. and even somebody you know even two best friends can have experienced this storm very differently and some people are absolutely chomping at the bit to get back to normal and other people are are just you know they're battered and bruised and they they don't want to kind of head out again um, and then there's so many different phases in between so mm. I think um I th- yeah and I think it's kind of uh, I've suddenly noticed this talking to people it's um you kind of pick up the phrase I don't know why you know that's not happening or I don't know why those people aren't doing that and it's it can be very easy to slip into that well I've got this experience why aren't they behaving in the same way uh, as I'm deeming yeah. seem fit? And I think that's uh, um, that's that's the challenge, isn't it? Because we are all in these different boats, and we were joking about what sort of state our boat is, and, yeah. and some people have got, you know, I've known some people have had a lovely time over yeah. this. Like they've been in like a massive sailing yacht, uh, had everything they possibly wanted, and and not feeling any of the storm because the boat's so big yeah <laughs> I guess I don't want to push it yeah. too far but other people have been on rackety yeah. Yeah. sort of rafts and we watched um cast away with the kids um yesterday yeah. and it finishes with him on that raft you know it's falling apart and the storm's battering him he's lost everything even his precious Wilson yeah uh, and for some it must feel like that everything is just come away and you're just holding on yeah um so and all the ones in between you know I think mm. uh, it's a really interesting analogy just to reflect on our experience you know over this time um, and I, I think it's interesting for those of us who've um who suffered with mental health problems or, mm. or have gone through other big struggles within their life because in some ways I think we're watching everybody else suddenly struggling and mm. kind of like oh I don't know what I'm doing I don't know why I feel like this I want to cry all the time I don't know why and it's like oh hang on this is like oh this is just always my life you know mm. this is really hard but it's it's not that dissimilar to the rest of the struggles so um so it's interesting you know that I wonder in some ways um that for a lot of people the struggling through this time might actually be humbling and help them to understand whereas perhaps before there was a lot of control over your life when you've lost control over your life uh, which is something I think you know we found really early on in our marriage it's like well hang on this is not how it's supposed to be um then you have to find new ways you know mm. new you have to find new ways of of traversing the terrain yeah, okay. um because your way isn't going to cut it anymore and that kind of takes us to uh, i guess one of the points i mean you reflected on that you were um 
kind of impacted you and the story of the Rocky Mountains you yeah. know, and Lewis and Clark and I've read the autobiography and uh, there's a book written on uh, kind of leadership style just looking through that I did it with the leadership team could you just explain who Lewis and Clark are for the people who don't know because I didn't know when you started reading the book so you know they're um, looking for a waterway you know they're so American explorers yeah kind of explorers looking for a waterway a passage uh, and um, I'm, my recollection of the details are going to be. I pretty think sketchy. if you are American, you, you you kind of know, know them as like yeah. you know they you know like everybody knows who Dickens is. I yeah. think they're kind of up there as um, as people who are part of the American history. Yeah, and um, and just this adventure, they're on this adventure to try and uh, sort of find this passageway. Um, I think um, Lewis ended up killing himself in the end when it was all over because he couldn't yeah. quite cope with. Uh, not being on the adventure uh, so they set out to find this um, waterway you know to link um, the east and the west coast of America yeah. uh, and you know expected there to be rivers all the way there and ended up on the Rocky Mountains and the story of how they kind of you know made that sort of journey yeah. um, and what they didn't find is an easy route they were looking for the easy passage uh, yeah. and um, I'm guessing now it's probably quite easy with motorways and otherwise, but there, there just wasn't. There was no easy yeah. way through. Uh, and what they went equipped with, you know, didn't, you know, kind of um, help them in the end. Yeah. Uh, and this kind of idea that we've probably hit a bit of the Rocky Mountains, you know, in this last year, uh, the way thought we thought the world was going, the way we thought the world made sense, um, suddenly you've hit this mountain and we reflected it in the early church and, the, and yeah. where it came from is the idea that the um so in the beginning of acts it's like they were just shell-shocked it's like you know oh my goodness jesus has died he's yeah. come back but we're confused and he's gone again and he's gone again um suddenly our main one of our main guys judas is uh, yeah, become a Judas. I, I I thought that was a good funny joke. It's really interesting on Sunday. Uh, you don't get any response from people in masks. Uh, I, I kind of giggled to myself. I thought it was quite a nice little line. Um, but Judas did become a Judas. He's gone. Uh, and suddenly then, you know, how now should we live? You know, what is this going to look like? And that was their Rocky Mountain. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I do wonder what our Rocky Mountain is. Yeah. I Again, I going back to this, I, I, think, I think it's interesting because I think I think we hit the Rocky Mountains when I was 21 and you were 24. Mm. You know, we we were young and there just suddenly was this, hang on, this isn't mm. how life's supposed to be. And then um, we've spent the rest of our life, our married life, keep climbing over the Rocky Mountains and then walking across the plains and yay, this is how it's supposed to be. And then, oh no, here they are again. Mm. So I think we're, we're, we keep experiencing, hang yeah. on, this isn't how it's supposed to be. Mm. And what am I going to do with this ruddy great big canoe that I've mm. carried across, you know, a continent and is absolutely no use to me at all? And that that's hard. And, you know, mm. I'd, I'd much rather be kind of just sailing gently along. Um, but life doesn't seem to be like that. And I think mm. I think we've globally hit a kind of, you know, OK, what do we do with this canoe? And as a church, I I hope that, whereas I, f just in terms of my faith, I felt I I hit this a very, very long time ago before, you know, most people in life would usually kind of hit these stages of faith of kind of, okay, I don't know what I'm doing anymore mm. because when you suffer, it really affects your faith. And I think now a lot of people are having to deal with it all in 
in one go mm. we're having this kind of collective ah what do i do what's happening what is life about and so rather than just leaving everybody to deal with it in their own way to deal with their own canoe that they're lugging around i think we have to look and think where are we going mm. what is what is the journey that god's put us on what you know is he with us is he going to help us what is he saying to us um and so i think this is time for some kind of hard thinking and honest acknowledgement of the state we're in mm. because we could you know just going on back with the lewis and clark analogy we could just go back down the mm. mountain get back in our canoes and head home mm. and we would feel safe um i don't believe that is what life is ever really about um i think the challenge we have is i mean i think we all approach this differently as some people who just won't even know what you're talking about yeah you know, it'd be like you're just not you're know, not even gauging that it's mm. like no we're going to keep going we're you know this has been nothing you know everything's the same um uh, and i'm aware in the church there's people that will think that yeah. way uh, i think there's others who will be lost in the kind of the fear and the thought of questioning stuff uh, and there's other people in that spectrum as well you know? yeah. and I think that's the challenge of church community isn't yeah. it you know I think some of us are deep thinkers and some of us really think through and wrestle with stuff um, other people are uh, more questioners more wanting to know quite what's mm. the, the deal is um, I think I think one thing is there's already been a lot of people afloat um even perhaps, you know, in in this country, in this last, you know, throughout the last hundred years of people for whom Christianity stopped making sense, mm. um, the, you know, largely following the world wars, the, you know, the things that came after that. And so I think a lot of people have already been in the Rocky Mountains. They've already been afloat mm, yeah. in their boats. And some of us are were really comfortable in our little cozy church homes. Um, so but what it's maybe this time is saying to us is well how do we how do we go and meet the people who were struggling mm. who were already afloat who have been afloat for several generations um so whilst i very much want to stay with those who who you know i'm kind of like as a mother i don't want my kids to suffer mm. so for those who haven't had a hard time that's like oh you know, oh, that's lovely. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased for you. I, I, I wish that you know that you wouldn't have to have a hard time. But the reality is, for a lot of people who mm. have, we are afloat. And I think, as the church, we need to get out there mm. and um, and start, you know, start a few flotillas and you know, unite some boats. Mm. Um, because I, I feel afloat, and mm. I feel afloat most of the time. Um, I see other people in church, they seem like really kind of together. But I often think even that is an illusion. Mm. Everybody thinks everybody else is together. Mm, yeah. Well, we're all actually quite out there. Mm. And there's something about the early church that seemed to be, and again, we're reading about it, you know, from the past, but they seem to be um, integral to each other. They seem to be authentic and in each other's lives. And I think... In these times when we're all so um, disjointed and even disconnected, maybe from our own families, we don't live in these communities that we used to live in, mm. even, you know, 100, 200 years ago. 
um life is lonely mm. and we are all without a kind of a knowledge of who we are anymore which you know used mm. to be something that you wouldn't even question your so-and-so's son and you are mm. going to do such and such for the rest of your life and then your sons will do the same that isn't how it is anymore and I think more and more we need to band together if we're going to survive but mm. that banding together might look very very different in a post-covid world and I think it, it takes a, a level of honesty and authenticity. I think, you know, for church to thrive in this next phase, uh, it's about us acknowledging the challenge and acknowledging our own weaknesses, our own, you know, kind of struggles. Um, and it's not in the, it's not an easy journey. No. You know, I think the idea that we could just parcel off our faith to someone who preaches on a Sunday you know, or a home group leader on a Wednesday, yeah. um, we can't do that. It's our own journey, you know, our, our own uh, understanding and our willingness to go on that journey. But also, I think when people are hurt and they're not listened to and loved and nurtured, what happens is they tend to only be able to focus on their own hurt and their own journey. Yeah, okay. And as a society that tends to not look out for each other, mm. we're all hurt and if we all just continue looking out for ourselves and dealing with our own pain and suffering, we will also just continue to hurt each other. So mm. there's a sense of which as we go forward, yes, we need to heal and we need friends to help us heal. But that mm. means we need to be healers as well. We need to be listeners. We need to just pause from just talking about how hard it is for us to also listening to how hard it was for that other person because... Mm. Um, you know, we we all hurt, we all struggle. Um, and I think for us to, to heal as a church and as a community and as a world, we need to be listening. We need I to be suffering the, together. The listening thing's really interesting and it's something that I kind of picked up uh, with uh, a number of people. Um, and I, I meet people all the time uh, and um, kind of the listening aspect to it or being listened to I think mm. is uh, is something that we're very um, that we struggle with uh, yeah. I think there's a lot of kind of just forcing opinion on people mm. um, forcing um, views on people but the idea that actually we're all on transmit yeah. um, and it's a challenge I think to the church how do we listen to one another uh, and I think uh, either now I might bump into people and it's just like they're just bursting yeah. you know with you know the belly just can't you know it's just a desperate to, to yeah. be listened to and to tell a story uh and i think how do we do that well yeah uh, i think is really um uh, is because that's for all of us we all haven't really been listened to enough we've all gone through stuff we all want to kind of get healed from that and um, so we're all doing the transmitting and it's uh, it's how we're all going to need to play a good amount of, you know, play turns in listening and and allowing that healing from just talking. I think, you know, particularly throughout ancient societies, they tell stories and mm. th they use that as a way of bringing themselves together and healing, you know, kind of that uniting. And I think we need to keep telling our stories and we need to keep listening because I mean, we all want to talk. I mean, listen is really, I mean, I am... I, I think it's really, I, I have two sides to me. With other people, I think I'm a really good listener. With you, uh, I think I'm pretty rubbish. I think you're trying hard <laughs> at the minute. Um, 
Yeah, I think you're trying. You're better than you were. Than were. But there is. I I know. I did. I did do it. The irony is, I did do a listening course uh, a number of years ago, and it was a really interesting experience. Of so they sat you down with another person, and you had to train your brain not to come up with the answer to what they're saying. Because I think so much of conversation yeah. is okay. I'm listening to you. But while you're talking, I'm coming up with the solutions to your problems. I'm thinking about what you should be doing and waiting to butt in to tell you. Um, And kind of the idea of listening is that you just let that person share and talk Mm. and you don't come with any preconceived kind of notions of how to solve it. And I think, you know, that's the difference. I think when you've been truly listened to, you feel actually that that person isn't just hell-bent on an, an agenda it's actually they've heard you um and i think that's really unusual in this day and age i think most of us don't listen and aren't listened to and i think uh, that's a real challenge i think i think i see you know one of the reasons i don't talk about being depressed is because i really can't cope with the barrage of this is what you need to do and I'll Mm, fix you and can I do this and you know well-meaning but really people just want to talk at me about all of the people they've known who were depressed or how they were once depressed or Mm. you know and again it's just I what I needed was I needed to talk for a while and you know I I see that in a lot of other people um counseling is is helpful in that Mm. for you're finally in a place where somebody knows how to listen to you Mm, the problem with that is you have to pay through the nose for it so <laughs> it's not something that many people get to experience but i would like to think that we mm. would be a church who just um just listened mm. and actually this is interesting as well just just thinking you know in no way has left my help david ward i really mm. felt he listened mm, yeah. when i talked i didn't feel that he was always waiting to say the next thing i was one of the few people mm. i could talk to and just have that you know mm. he pondered pondered what i was yeah. saying without trying um to to fix it and that you know that was a real blessing for mm. me and a rarity i a think huge yeah. rarity and i think um it's probably why you touched both our lives i think in, mm. in different ways um and i guess there's a an opportunity for us to think through how we do that better and how we mm. do that well um i mean i, I think the the kind of it leads on that listening leads on to discernment and I think one of the ways that I think this series will go and we've not really mapped out the series despite me needing to pin myself down where I don't yeah. think we're kind of um we're going to map it out but I, one of the things is this discernment um how do we not just listen to one another but listen to God um and I think that's where we'll probably go this Sunday uh, is yeah. how do we discern what the Spirit's saying um because I think so much we can just project our own kind of junk onto you know what the church does what i want to do you know and uh that idea of how do we you know carve out time to hear um well, that was interesting because we talked about this series and then very quickly it was putting headers against weeks and yeah. we could do that we could do that and essentially really what we were doing is we were looking from our boat we were working yeah. out what we wanted to see the church, what we thought everybody else needed to be. And um, and then just coming to that humbling place of, well, we are only seeing it from our point of view. Mm. What are other people seeing? And I think really, I think it's really hard to discern 
um, the oh, will yeah. of God. And mm, I think so I don't know many people who hear it in kind of a, a megaphone type mm. way. Um, one of the mysteries is is that God seems to reveal his will through his family, mm. through his children. And so if we're really going to hear from God, we need to hear, hear from each other. And I think... And also hear, from, like, let God speak through you because I can be so full of my own noise in my head, in my thoughts of what I want, that I can't hear God. Mm. And so when I speak to somebody else, they're not really hearing anything of, of God talking through me. They're hearing what my agenda is. And so how are we allowing ourselves to mm. be in tune with the Holy Spirit? And I'm saying that and I'm thinking I do not have any <laughs> idea how we do that. But I no. believe it's what we should be be doing mm. if we're to be a, a church just gathered around the holy spirit mm. and I, yeah and i do i mean that was the, the the kind of pivotal change in the early church you know was yeah pentecost you know and we reflected it a little bit on that uh on sunday and it's like that's where everything changed yeah. you know when actually the promised counselor came and was the guide and you know and that's what changed the rabble of you know, guys huddled together just trying to figure stuff out, uh, you know, what ultimately became the early church. And but what know. I've seen of sometimes certain Pentecostal movements or very charismatic churches is the same of all other churches, is that actually it's still quite controlling. Yeah. It's, it's using the Holy Spirit as the term for this is what I want to do yeah. and this is what you should do. Um, whereas what I see in the early church was... Um, was a people who who lost control who mm. who had no control and god came in and took control and their lives were transformed by it and so far from wanting to impose control i want i really what happens what happens to mm. to a church when the holy spirit is is actively invited mm. to lead um i don't know i haven't seen one yet so <laughs> some of you might have i would love to know about that um and that's why it's important that, and I guess I picked up on the whole Super League thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. all right for the few to have unity, but it's got to be the many. And yeah. uh, I think, yeah, I've got personal experience of church life when that's it's been the few who found unity and bullied the many into yeah. following their lead. And I, think I think we probably all have experience of that in some degree or other when, you know, it's it's a group of dynamic people, yeah. you know, say that they know what's right for, you know, whether that's for football or for the church. Um, and again, it was really interesting. I have no interest in football whatsoever, <laughs> but I was really interested in the story unfolding about how some people could think they knew what was best and how often mm. money wins. And in this mm. case, money didn't win and that mm. was a great victory. And I, I even in our church, and I know there's a lot of talk about the 51% in football, that it should be 51% mm fan controlled again i talk right now like i actually have any idea what i'm talking about and i don't um but i kind of think that in church that's that's the whole point of certainly the baptist church and the mm. church meeting is not for a few to control it yeah. but for the whole church and yet it can just become a formula yeah, you know i've known so. church meetings where the church don't really have any say and you know we can be bamboozled into things mm. so i kind of and I one really want things, to see that practice. Yeah, and I, I think I, I, I've tried to demonstrate some of that over the like eight years at Shelford to give the you know 
the ultimate authority to the church meeting and it's a real difficult balance because yeah, yeah ultimately need leaders to lead and yeah. that's really important that we've got people and i'm really blessed with a leadership team who who get it who are on the ball who you know are actively serving um but the church meeting has a role and a mm. right to speak into that and uh I think I like to think over the last eight years we've got it right more than we've got it wrong um, and tried not to just bend to the loudest voice but to the kind of the wisdom of the gathered and I think mm. that's uh, that's the joy of our you know kind of organization in a lot of ways and people have also got to want to have a say we will be blessed by people yeah. wanting to get involved wanting to know and what's I'm going often on often quite flippant at church meetings like please could someone talk because yeah. uh, and it's you know i don't want it to always be the same voices because there's a lot of wisdom in our fellowship that yeah. people need to share and i know some people find it really hard to speak out speak up but it's worth so much you know yeah. if people could share you know their you know, discernments, their, you know, kind of their experience. Um, and there's a number of times in church meetings where someone shared something and the direction of conversation has kind of done a U-turn and it's like, wow, now you've said that and then that changes stuff because I, I've heard what you've said and we've reevaluated what we've thought and uh, it's worth so much, mm. you know, um, with the right heart. You know, and I think ministers get jaded, church meetings struggle with the couple of critical voices who can dominate and yeah. change and that's not how church should be it's mm. you know how do we how are we most inclusive as possible and if that means more people need to be braver to speak out then i'd encourage yeah. people to speak out because i think we're better as a as a fellowship because there's you know more wisdom and, and unity in that and how we keep speaking into each other's lives yeah. you know i am blessed when people speak into my life like and even in in the last couple of weeks a number of people have been in touch and cards mm. and that that makes me feel not so alone and mm. i just can imagine that it even just with each other we need to be speaking into each other's lives we can't i i, I find this particularly in the south this amazes me because in the north you just you say what you think typically you approach somebody you say hi in the street if you met somebody before you ask them how their dad is even <laughs> though you only met them a few times it's just you're in each other's lives a lot mm. more and I hear that when my mum talks about her church they're like really in each other's mm. lives um, even right throughout lockdown and I find here we we're very conservative here mm. in Cambridge and in the south and and some of that's just personality but I think after I think in church there is no real place for that I think mm. we need to get beyond that because yeah, we're right. not just um a conservative southern organization we're a family mm. and we need to stop worrying about whether you're you're not gonna somebody's not gonna want to hear from you mm. because they need it they you know we all need to be loved and we got there a little so before lockdown we kind of had cafe church and I, mm -hmm. I know some people are really uncomfortable with it but we kind of say well let's do it every month and have the conversation around the table and engage with each other rather than all just face yeah. me at the front um and people came around to it a little bit and it's hard it, we we kind of all this then happened but there's something about you know church fellowship where people sitting around a table together uh sharing with each other and, uh, and listening eating. to one another. i really yeah no no the food went down believe very well. that food <laughs> food in the jewish church the jewish um religion are, are synonymous and then i think we need more of that just relaxed, especially, you know, this teaches children what we're about mm. when we're chatting. 
Well, our time, it's amazing, really. Um, our time's uh, gone by. I also realised while I've been recording this, I've missed our staff meeting as well. Uh, so I've had um, Diana text Because myself. it's on a Tuesday. Because it's on a Tuesday and we normally do oh, this on a Monday. No. Um, so apologies uh, to the rest of the team who have left hanging on a Zoom call. Um, but I'll make another groveling apology. Uh, but um, thank you for listening. And uh, we want to hear, f- I think I want to be listening to people. I want to be sharing stories. Uh, yeah. And we'd love for people to... Um, get up the nerve and and share you know and i think that will help all of us i think if we're able to do that so god bless you this day uh, and we look forward to journeying with you over these coming weeks